This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am your host, Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. And joining me once again is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. Good to be back. I'm sure y'all listened to my new podcast, Double Dippin'. <laughs> is that why you're still doing this one? Just to you know, advertise your new show now? Just for shits and giggles. And then when you get big, you're just going to leave this one in the dust. <laughs> That's why my episodes are going to be a lot shorter and uh, require, require a lot less prep work. Than... <laughs> <laughs> you mean your prep work consists of going to Yahoo and looking at the news headlines? I, I just scroll through Twitter and look at CNN and ABC and CBS tweets. And then I, I save them to a, a notepad on my phone. Mm. Uh, Positively Wolfy podcast is now available everywhere. Yeah. First episode dropped on Friday. Today is Saturday the, what, 18th? 18th. Yeah. So episode one's out right now. Episode two scheduled already to come out next Friday, the 24th. How many do you have in the can right now? I have, uh, including the one that's out there, I have four recorded. And uh, I'm going to try to do a couple more next week. So Maybe you should push those out sooner. So otherwise, you know, it's going to be two weeks from now, and the story's going to be old hat. Oh, the stories are already old. Because <laughs> I started pulling stories in June. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, I, I thought about doing this for a while. It's kind of like my, uh, what I do on Twitter. Because uh, I like to take tweets about stupid headlines and make a snarky comment. And it's like a long-form version of that with another uh-huh. person. Uh, but I started kind of really uh, thinking about it seriously towards the end of May. And then something happened. And then... Uh, Every headline was the same serious stuff for about three weeks. So that kind of killed the momentum of doing a podcast about stupid headlines. Yeah. But uh, they're coming back in, uh, you know, in droves. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, check out the Positively Wolfy podcast. That's what it's called. All right, available on Anchor and pretty much any podcast app. I listen to it on Apple Podcasts, so. I like to use Google Podcasts, and it took over a week to get on there, and then the first episode took another 24 hours after it was released. (laughs) So uh, it's also on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Stitcher, uh, pretty much, like you said, anywhere you can get a podcast. Mm -hmm. Podcoin? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if only <laughs> I wish Podcoin is back 
If only I never cashed out on it. Neither did I. I was gonna get a like a five dollar gift card to Barnes and Noble or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess we should also thank uh, Movie Drone. They played our promo. You know what I should do? I should I should play theirs again. You should. I'll put it in right now. Have time for another podcast and enjoy listening to two idiots discussing films? Then look no further. We are Movie Drone Podcast, two mates sitting down to discuss new releases, nostalgic films and anything and everything in between. He's Steve. And he's Mark. Together we answer listener questions and set each other homework, giving each other a film to watch that the other hasn't seen in the hope of unearthing hidden gems. You can download us on iTunes, Podbean, as well as Google search us to find us on loads of different platforms. Or email moviedronepodcast at hotmail.com. I think that's all. No chance, mate. Huh? You've forgotten everyone's favourite feature, Mark's movie impressions. Oh, I'd hope you've forgotten it too, to be honest. No chance of that, mate. You think you should do one. I hate you. Come on, mate. Show them what you got. Hey, no fun. Hey, no fun. Yo, Adrian! <laughs> And if that hasn't put you off, give us a try. There's a small chance you won't regret it. You played theirs instead of mine, so. <laughs> <laughs> I could play yours too. To be, fair, to be fair, you never sent me the WTM promo, so <laughs> it, that one won't run until at least episode three, because I got two <laughs> other ones that uh, got in before, before you did. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. Well, we just did like a five-minute promo talking about it. That's true. <laughs> and I did I did name drop WCM in uh, both of the first two episodes. The first episode features a little bit of a preview of today's WTM episode. Because mm-hmm. we mentioned a movie, or I mentioned a movie that I will be discussing later today. <laughs> How about this? Maybe I'll put the promo in. Uh right during the movie challenge when we're switching segments, switching gears. There you go. That's a good idea. Segment breaker. We don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of segments on WTM. We just kind (laughs) of, we just kind of wing it and uh, go with the flow. Mostly our prep work is comprised of watching movies and nothing else. (laughs) Looking at IMDb as we're recording. (laughs) I mean, that's to be fair on on the Positively Wolfie podcast, like half the articles we talked about, I hadn't read before we started recording. So, and neither did uh, I, I did two with my brother, and he didn't read them. And then uh, they had another co host for the, the next two episodes, and she didn't read them either. So, it was kind of discovering it as we went along, which is kind of how we do fun facts on WTM. Yeah. All right, well, let's get down to it. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? I guess I got to go first. Indeed you do, since I completed the movie challenge from last episode in which you challenged me to watch A Star is Born from 1937. The best one. I'll talk about that last. So what did you see? I saw. You went to the theater? Almost. The next best thing. I uh, pulled up Netflix and I watched a 2020 film called The Five Bloods. Directed by Spike Lee. 
It stars Del- Delroy Lindo. Oh, a new joint? It's a Spike Lee joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Majors, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., uh, Melanie <laughs> Thierry. From the HBO program The Wire. So is Clark Peters. There's two <laughs> there's two wire alums. Paul Walter Hauser. Oh, he's in there? Yeah. yeah. He's in everything now. He was Richard Jewell last year in the movie that nobody saw, but it was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh Jasper, who has a Scandinavian name with a lot of dots over the, the vowels, starts with a P. Uh Pakanonan, maybe? I don't know. Johnny Nguyen. I think we could get get back to the synopsis here. Four African-American vets battle the forces of man and nature when they return to Vietnam seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide. I really enjoyed this movie, which... I'm slightly surprised at because most Spike Lee movies I watch and I think, eh, that was okay. It's not the best. Um, I've seen a lot of people say that they didn't like this one as much as Black Klansman, but I didn't like Black Klansman that much and I liked this one a lot more. I thought the chemistry between the main characters was fantastic. Delroy Lindo... I saw he got a lot of praise on Twitter after it came out, and it is well deserved. He was fantastic as a, uh, he was, you know, obviously they're all Vietnam vets, but he was uh, kind of affected more than everybody else was as far as the, the group of main actors goes. Yeah. Um, as he was, he was the one who, or he was the closest to their fallen comrade when, when he was killed in action. And it really did a number on his uh, mental health. And so I thought he did a great job of demonstrating that and being a real character. You know, it's it's not common. Or, you know, you know, there's a lot of movies where, you know, it's... How do I want to say this? I thought he did a great job. You know, I, he seemed real. The story was uh, very interesting to me. I thought it was, you know, entertaining from start to finish. Uh, there was some some action, some drama, uh, just overall very uh, entertaining movie. I know Spike Lee likes to to put some political stuff in there, and he tied in a lot of Black Lives Matter uh, topics, and he also tied it back to the. Uh, civil rights movement of the the 60s and early 70s and in other movies like in black Klansman, i thought some of that stuff that you know he pushed politically was was really heavy-handed and uh you know he he didn't he could have finessed it a little more whereas in the five bloods i thought it actually added to the story and it fit in very well with the, the story they were trying to tell and it actually was, uh, you know, an improvement uh, to the script versus taking away from the story itself. So I really enjoyed it. Uh, honestly, it's probably the best 2020 movie I've seen. 
you know, considering I haven't seen one since March. And before then, it was Slim Pickings. But Love Slim Pickings. <laughs> Blazing Saddles. Dr. Strangelove. Doesn't get any better than Slim Pickings. Unfortunately, he was uh, not available for any 2020 films. <laughs> but I would recommend Defy Bloods, uh, WTM Soonish, which means get off your ass and watch it. Soonish. All right. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that, so uh, glad to hear it is good. Um, yeah, Black Klansman, I liked a lot more before I read Boots uh, Riley's uh, essay on it, I guess, <laughs> which kind of exposed uh, a lot of the flaws the film has. Yeah, I don't want to get into Black Klansman too much, but mm-hmm. I thought it was weird. I actually thought he underplayed the, the racism within the police department, considering it was the story of the first black police officer there. And I've seen a lot of movies from that were made around the, the timetable or the time setting of Black Klansman. And uh, if those movies are any indication of how things were at that time, uh, he really underplayed the racism within the police, mm-hmm. which is yeah, odd and... to say for a Spike Lee movie. Yeah, and it was almost as if he uh, had not whitewash, but kind of. <laughs> a little bit. Which is, which is crazy to say about a Spike Lee movie. Because all his white characters are usually the most racist pieces of shit you'll ever see. But, uh, yeah, just I recommend people go and read uh, Boots Riley's uh, thoughts on Black Klansmen. They kind of open up your eyes to, I don't know, it was just like so surprising for a Spike Lee movie. But I still like John David Washington, but, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Like, given the... Uh the tendency of how police, especially white policemen were depicted in movies in the seventies that have, you know, black leads, uh, and how Spike Lee has, um, you know, uh, how Spike Lee has portrayed, uh, racist characters in the past. Like I thought, you know, you went heavy handed on the anti-Trump stuff, but you really, really undersold the racism of the time. Uh, with certain characters. Mm-hmm. All right. First movie I'm going to talk about is from 1988, Midnight Run. Midnight Run. I saw that years ago. Mm-hmm. One time. Directed by Martin Brest or Marty Brest. Starring Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin, Yafet Koto, John Ashton, Dennis Farina. Joey Pants, uh, Wendy Phillips, Jack, Jack Keogh, Philip Baker Hall. The Jackie O? Wait. Oh, no. Jack Keogh? Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? I was thinking Jack Hay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, From Sister Sister. <laughs> she was the mom. Hmm. Let's think about Jackie O, like nude pictorial Jackie O. <laughs> like the president's wife? Yeah. What was that deal with uh, Penthouse, right? They 
somebody snapped pictures of her in some hotel room or something like that, like through a balcony or something. I don't like, remember we, that. Like we got pictures. I think it was they was discussed in People versus Larry Flint. Like we got pictures of Jackie O. I can't remember if they released him or not, but anyways. When I think of Jackie O, I think of uh, the whitest kids you know sketch about Kennedy's assassination. (laughs) 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 And she's played by Timmy, who's the the chubby one of the group, and he just plays her as just like dumb and, you know, whatever. But she's like trying to get the driver to turn on the, the radio to a specific song. And then uh, she wants to put the the roof up on the the uh, limousine, uh, the convertible limousine, because it's cold. <laughs> uh, all right. Synopsis for Midnight Run. An accountant is chased by bounty hunters, the FBI, and the mafia after jumping bail. So Robert De Niro is said bounty hunter, well, one of the many bounty hunters, um, Charles Grodin is the accountant that's on the run. He basically stole a bunch of money from a, a mob guy and he's now on the run. And Yafa Kodo is the no nonsense, I guess, commanding officer who's tired of the bounty hunters interfering in their work, especially Robert De Niro. John Ashton's kind of the rival bounty hunter, but it's kind of a cross country trip where Robert De Niro has to find Charles Grodin. And then get them across the country in, I think, 72 hours. And they'll collect, uh, what is it, hundred dollars or $200,000, maybe something like that. Otherwise, Joey Pants is out of a lot of money. I think he's the bail bondsman. It's supposed to be hilarious. Supposed yeah. to be. <laughs> I've heard so many good things about this movie. And it's at a 7.5 on IMDb after 72,500 reviews ratings i should say and so it's a very highly rated movie uh i will say i was disappointed with all the praise i've heard i still enjoyed it the good performances it's entered it's a it's a fun movie you know it's a road movie it's kind of jarring at first because this is i mean it's 88 which is you know 32 years ago but the movie opens basically with robert de niro trying to find you know somebody who jumped bail basically and he's walking down this hallway in an apartment and he's smoking a cigarette. He smokes a lot of cigarettes in here. And like he's right outside the door and he's about to pick the lock and he's smoking a cigarette. And then he just like puts it on the ground and stamps it out. And I was like, yeah, what? remember like 30 years ago when people just used to smoke everywhere and just lay their cigarettes like wherever the fuck they wanted. <laughs> Even the hallway of an apartment. Like right outside someone's front door, people just put <laughs> cigarettes down. I was wondering, like, is that carpeted? Or even if it's not carpeted, it's still, it boggles the mind. <laughs> I don't know if it's worse if there's carpet or not. Yeah. Because <laughs> you probably burn the carpet, you know, just dropping it. You know, it's probably still pretty, uh, still a little bit lit or hot or whatever. Yeah. Until you stamp it out. So you putting burn marks either in the carpet or just on the you know, on the ground, if it's tile or whatever, you know, scuff marks from shoes, like there'll be a little burn marks from cigarettes everywhere. Just, oh, it's kind of weird. To be a janitor in the <laughs> late 80s. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, I love movies from the 80s. 
Um, this doesn't feel, I mean, it, it feels like an 80s movie, but it's not an 80s, 80s movie, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I think I know what you mean. It's uh, it all it almost feels like a '90s movie. It's kind of in the in between, I would say. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I I I think I understand what you're saying. You know, it isn't overboard with like the electronic, you know, soundtrack or score. I mean, all the clothes aren't terribly 80s because it's a lot of suits and leather jackets and things like that. But So it isn't all bright neon colors and things like that. But and it's more like the style of an 80s movie. But I don't know. It's kind of hard to rate this one. I'm kind of in between. Uh, I thought there was good chemistry. Charles Grodin's kind of a good foil to Robert De Niro. As well as Robert De Niro's kind of a foil to Yafit Koto. <laughs> Uh, there's some good rivalry stuff. Good cast all around. Martin Brest has done some good stuff. He did Scent of a Woman, which you saw recently. He also did uh, Beverly Hills Cop. So he's got some good movies under his belt. I'm kind of in between uh, Last Resort and Eventually, but I know I wasn't mad that I watched it. I watched it again. Uh, you know, if you have to think about it that hard it probably shouldn't be an eventually but probably but i'll do it anyways eventually eventually it's a fun movie fun enough i think the problem was i was expecting this going to be like a soonish level type movie like hit like i can't believe i'd never watched this before and it was just kind of a pretty good movie from the 80s that doesn't hold up as much as you think it will i think if i saw this as a kid i would still love it i probably would have loved it back then and love it to this day yeah i don't know like i said i watched it years ago and i didn't didn't like it that much to be honest i didn't think it was funny um it was just it was just kind of them going through their you know whatever they you know getting from point a to point b and i didn't like the jokes didn't hit for me. I don't even know if there are jokes or if it's just more situational. But uh, I would, I would have given it a last resort. Mm. But yeah, I can definitely see that. I don't know I've, I think it's one of those that I'd watch it again, and I should probably rate it again after I watch it again. But probably be a couple of years. So for now, I'll say eventually on the strength of a good cast and solid fun. So what else have you watched recently? I watched a controversial yet topical movie from 1939 mm. called Gone with the Wind. So you set aside four hours one day and said, I'm going to watch Gone with the Wind. So the version on HBO Max, they apparently cut out all the uh, like the overture and the intermission and all that extra shit. So it's like three hours and 40 minutes. Oh, really? It is that long? Damn. IMDb IMDb says it's three hours, 58, but that's Mm -hmm. with all that extra stuff in there. I see. Uh, Directed by Victor Fleming and some other people who were uncredited. I think they quit during filming. Stars Clark Gable. Vivian Lee, Thomas Mitchell, 
Hattie McDaniel, Oscar Polk, Butterfly McQueen. Yeah, they have all the cast in a weird order. Olivia de Havilland. Anyway, synopsis. A, manip- a manipulative woman and a roguish man conduct a turbulent romance during the American Civil War and Reconstruction periods. So HBO Max, you know, they, they took it off their service for a while because people are looking for things that were uh, made decades ago that may have some racism in them. And you mean a century ago? <laughs> <laughs> Almost, not quite. Yeah, almost. About 80, 80 years. Uh, so basically people are looking for stuff to, you know, remove from the zeitgeist because it doesn't fit today's social norms. And uh, Gone with the Wind was one of them. And HBO took it off their HBO Max for a while, and then uh, they actually put it back up, and they had uh, they had their one African-American host, for TCM record a new introduction for it, which I don't understand why they don't already have introductions for it. Cause they played on uh, TCM probably three or four times a year. Well, they probably did, but they didn't want that racist from Robert Osborne on there. <laughs> or uh, Ben Mankiewicz, that anti-Semite. Ben yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so basically the introduction that they filmed, she explains that, you know, society was different back then. <laughs> Things have changed. And uh, basically it's a warning that there's black actors who play uh, slaves. Uh, and many of them, they're, they're basically happy to be working for the white family. And then even throughout and after the civil war after the south lost they just continue working for the family you know they get something to do like like nothing happened it's uh you know just everything's normal just keep working anyways the movie itself it's three hours and 40 minutes but the the pacing is fantastic like it doesn't feel that long like Technically, it's an amazing achievement. Uh, it looks great. The acting is really good. Uh, like I said, the editing uh, is fantastic. It, you know, it doesn't feel boring at any point. However, the the characters, there's very few likable characters, if any, in the movie. Um, I guess uh, Mammy is is pretty likable, uh, all things considered. She's always calling people poor white trash and <laughs> shit like that, you know. But uh, so it, it it starts off with uh, basically lamenting the loss of the old South and times of uh, there's like knights and bells and masters and slaves. And so it's the first I don't know the first half hour or so until they get to the civil war is uh in essentially an idealized version of the old south you know they have balls and you know the rich families get together and they're all talking about marrying each other 
But one thing I found interesting was how much incest they included in the idealized Old South. So the main character is Scarlett O'Hara, and she finds out that this guy that she wants to marry is engaged to his cousin. And uh, so she gets all upset because she wants to marry him. Uh, but he's like, no, nah, my cousin's here and we're going to we're just going to keep it in the bloodline, you know, keep it going. And then later she marries a, another guy. And that guy's sister is mad because that was her man and she was going to marry him. And this is just normal. In Sounds the movie. like a lot of drama. <laughs> it's just normal, normal behavior in the old South before the Civil War and maybe even after. But uh, everyone, Stanley Ipkiss said, "Tell Scarlet I do give a damn." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he can wear a mask, you can wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, I saw your tweet the other day. <laughs> Am I doing this right? There was like ten of them or something. I kept scrolling, and there's more and more. <laughs> I might have to stop because I don't think I can top the last one that I did. Because I tweeted out. If Rasputia can wear a mask, you can wear a mask. <laughs> and it's from the end of the movie when she's at the, the El Nipolopolis in Mexico. I don't know if I remember that part. It's when she's doing the it's the flash dance uh, uh parody. Mm-hmm. You know, where uh but she's doing the, so they opened up uh the spoiler for her. For Norbit, <laughs> spoiler alert for Norbit, because I know after all this time, our loyal listeners, you know, you probably already seen it with how much we talk about it. I mean, how much you talk about it? But the Lattimores, they get run out of town and they open up their titty bar in Mexico, and Rasputia was their quote best dancer or their best girl, and. uh She's dressed as a, like a sexy cowgirl, and she's got a gold, like a uh, Lone Ranger mask or like mm-hmm. a like a bandit mask on, and uh, she she does a uh, flash dance parody where you know she gets in the chair and pulls the water bucket. <laughs> kind of ringing a few bells. <laughs> did you uh, did you tweet one with uh, Tom Cruise from Vanilla Sky? <laughs> No, I tweeted a uh, Patrick Bateman one where he had the, okay. the cold compress, the eye mask. <laughs> I saw somebody tweet something. It was like the, basically the same thing you were doing, but they did the Tom Cruise from Vanilla Sky one. You seen Vanilla Sky? Yeah, I don't remember a lot from it. Remember he had a, had a fucked up face from that car accident, so he was wearing like this fake prosthetic mask that would cover up his hideous face. <laughs> I know I've seen it, but... I, Honest to God, if you asked me any specifics, I I don't think I could answer. Mm-hmm. Just know that Tom and Penelope were in there, yeah, and uh, Cameron Diaz too, right? Yeah. But all right, back to back to Scarlet. <laughs> I was gonna explain my joke on Twitter. The joke is none of the people wearing masks. The mask they don't cover the the nose and mouth, so it's not a valid comparison. But other people on Twitter are tweeting the same shit in a serious manner, and it's dumb as fuck. Anyways. I saw a video of some girl, like the caption was, this bitch living in 2030. 
and it was it seemed like a nurse i think she was wearing scrubs and wearing a mask and she was sitting down to a picnic table with a like a box lunch in front of her it looked like it was fish sticks or chicken strips or something like that and she's wearing the mask and she pulls up one to eat and all of a sudden you realize that she actually has two masks on and they meet at her lips so she opens up her mouth and <laughs> it starts eating just like normal but it looks like a big bird like chopping up and down <laughs> but it's like because it's they match up perfectly and so you don't think you think she's just wearing a mask but she's wearing two it's pretty funny and it totally <laughs> and it totally defeats the purpose of wearing a mask <laughs> <laughs> right. anyways anyways max and gone with the wind so uh the North is uh, depicted as intruding invaders, but the South goes down pretty easy. So, like, you know, they're all gung-ho for war and ready to go. And uh, Clark Gable's character, Rhett Butler, is he's like the voice of reason, but he's still kind of an asshole. Uh, you know, when the war starts, he basically tells everybody, he's like, you guys are going to get your ass kicked. You got nothing. The North has all the factories, all the guns, all the ships. They got everything. And you guys got cotton. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so uh, so the South goes down pretty easily. And then uh, from there, the second half of the movie is basically Scarlet and her family trying to rebuild their wealth and uh, become... Uh, you know, a prominent family in the area again. And throughout it, like, Brett, Brett Butler kind of, he, he kind of teases Scarlet throughout, and uh, there's a tension there between them. Uh, you know, will they or won't they? Um, so I guess that's that's one of the things that always seems to come up with Gone with the Wind is the relationship between Rhett Butler and Scarlett O'Hara. And it's pretty contentious throughout. So, I mean, there's a lot of drama there. But like I said, like, technically, it's it's a fantastic uh, achievement that a movie made in 1939 has uh, stood the test of time uh, and looks and sounds uh, just as good as anything that come, comes out uh, this day and age. Some of the themes, you know, aren't, uh, kosher with today's social norms, which you're going to get that with pretty much anything, uh, probably before like 2014, 2015 maybe. And especially something from 1939, which is pro-South uh, Civil War era stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it's worth seeing at least once. Um like I said, it's it's a long runtime, but it doesn't feel that long, uh, given the pacing and how they edit it, edit it, it. That doesn't sound right. Edited it. Mm -hmm. So, Gone with the Wind, I will give an eventually. Eventually. All right. I'm going to talk about a movie from 1986. Best year of the 80s, if you ask me. I could take it or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> the Hitcher. Directed by Robert Harmon. Starring Rucker Hauer. Your boy C. Thomas Howell. 
Jennifer Jason Lee, Jeffrey DeMunn, John M. Jackson, Billy Green Bush. Why is C. Thomas Howell my boy? I don't know. I don't think I could. I know the name. I don't think I could pick him out of a lineup. <laughs> the Outsiders. Wasn't he the Soul Man? Uh, soul Man. I've never seen it. I I kind of want to see it just to see how bad it actually is. Isn't that an Eddie Murphy movie? No, Soul Man is the one where the well, white, Holy Man. The white high school student gets rejected from college, so he puts on blackface oh. so he can apply as a black man I'm and sorry. get in. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sure that one's been scrubbed from history. Given <laughs> they they uh, pulled the um, the Golden Girls episode where they were apparently wearing mud masks and were uh, they were uh, they met somebody's black plant like somebody in their family was dating a, a black person and that person's family was coming over and caught them wearing mud masks apparently yeah. and they were embarrassed and it looked like blackface so the production company decided nobody should ever see that again Mm-hmm. sounds like a story for positively wolfy podcast Oh, just wait till season or uh, till episode two. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Synopsis for the Hitcher: A young man who escapes the clutches of a murderous hitchhiker is subsequently stalked by the Hitcher and framed for his crimes. So, see Thomas Howell driving across the the American Southwest with his car. I think he's supposed to deliver to California. Somebody who bought it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like vanishing point. <laughs> uh, he's having a little trouble falling asleep a little bit. He's like, ah, why not? I'll pick up this hitchhiker, and it's Wrecker Howard, and he is all kinds of creepy once he gets in, and then threatens to murder him. And C. Thomas Howell luckily escapes his clutches, but it's all for naught as <laughs> Wrecker Howard stalks him the rest of the movie. Killing people along the way, framing him for his murders. So all the cops are after C. Thomas Howell. And he befriends Jennifer Jason Lee, who is the waitress at a diner. This movie was awesome. <laughs> Rucker Howard firing on all cylinders in his heyday of the mid-80s. I guess all of the 80s is pretty good. Isn't it good in Nighthawks, Blade Runner? I'm trying to think of, think of some other ones. I tried watching The Hitcher one time and I fell asleep probably about 10 minutes in. And then I I think I woke up during the end credits. So, and I never got back to watching it again. Same thing happened in uh, when I tried to watch Blade Runner. So, yeah, I don't know if I've actually seen a Rutger Hauer movie other than Hobo with a Shotgun. <laughs> well, The Blonde Dutchman is... Uh quite the actor well he was <laughs> that he was um yeah this was on hbo max it's been on hbo for a long time but i've always avoided it because every time i selected it it's that tiny tiny letterbox grainy footage or grainy film video quality and it seems like it just hasn't 
had a new transfer ever, which boggles the mind. Yeah, it looks like they took the the VHS letterboxed version and just yep. like here it's HD. <laughs> now, the only DVD I've seen of it is the you know first edition clamshell ones or not well not clamshell but the uh, the 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 cardboard ones with the clasp. Yeah, the from ones they stopped the 90s. doing in like, yeah they yeah. stopped doing them in like two thousand one. And uh, so I figure that's got to be the same quality. And I don't think it's on Blu-ray. But this seems like something maybe uh, Shout Factory or Arrow should get into. That's a little surprising because I hear or I see people online talk about it a lot. Yeah. It's not like a really obscure movie. And that cast you read off is a lot of pretty well-known actors. Mm-hmm. And they did a remake of it. There was a sequel to this one, at least one sequel. Yeah, it's weird that they haven't had a better release. But uh, performances are great. Uh, a lot of great tension. Um, there's some surprises, uh, especially towards the end of how they deal with things. I guess that's all I'll say. But uh, yeah, I'm going to give this a soonish. Watch this movie soonish. Soonish. Maybe I will. Give it a second chance. All right. What's the last movie you're going to talk about? Last movie is from 1979, Disco Godfather. Directed by J. Robert Wagoner. Stars Rudy Ray Moore, who you may know as Dolomite. Mm-hmm. Carol Speed, Jimmy Lynch, Jerry Jones, Lady Reed, Hawthorne James... Frank Finn, Julius Carey, kind of the usual suspects for a Rudy, Rudy Ray Moore movie. Uh, synopsis, God, this is a long synopsis. A retired cop becomes a DJ slash celebrity at the Blueberry Hill Disco. He's the disco godfather. All is well until his nephew flips out on a strange new drug that's sweeping the streets called Angel Dust, or PCP. Disco Godfather vows to personally come down on the suckers that's producing this shit. Takes to the streets, slaps drug dealers, and even exposes a crooked cop that is covering for the dealers. And then there's more stuff about what he does. So yeah, I I have had this on DVD. God, I don't know. I, it's part of the Dolmite... Uh, the total experience DVD set that I bought probably about four years ago now. And it's uh, the first time I watched it. So I wish I had watched it sooner because it is amazing. It's basically a 90-minute PSA about the dangers of PCP, which was apparently a new drug on the streets at the time that the movie was made. And I will tell you, the uh, if you like movies where they give you a glimpse of what it's like to be on drugs, Disco Godfather gives you a pretty good visual, <laughs> you know, the, the scenes where people are on PCP, 
are some of the craziest things that I've seen. And there's a few different scenes in there. And then Rudy Ray Moore is fantastic. He's hilarious as usual, uh, both as the disco uh, club DJ and the hard-nosed... He's kind of a detective. He's not really a detective, but like somebody close to him gets... uh, I can't remember if he intentionally took PCP, but he gets given PCP. And so Rudy Ray Moore has got to find out who's supplying the drugs so he can stop it and the uh you know you're gonna want to watch all the way to the end because it gets just crazy as hell if you like the dolomite movies or anything else rudy ray moore uh, did you're gonna love it um it's a comedy but it also has serious elements to it so um yeah I, i would recommend it uh, eventually, Disco Godfather. Eventually. All right. Well, the last film I'm going to talk about is the movie I did for the movie Challenge, A Star is Born, from 1937. This is the first A Star is Born. There's four total. You've watched all of them. One yeah, 54 with Judy Garland, 76 with Streisand and Christopherson, and, of course, the newest with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper in 2018. Although I want to point out, as I'm looking here in IMDb, and I typed it in, I think we're forgetting a fifth one from 2003 called A Star is Porn. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What an odd time to release that parody. <laughs> yeah. uh, the poster at the top says, from the star and creator of Dennis Pennis. <laughs> Oh, my God. It looks like uh, Ron, Jeremy, and Peter North are in here. Not the stars, but they're in it. So I guess there's somebody that's known. (laughs) Stars born. All right. Let's get to the real stars born. From 37, directed by William A. Wellman and Jack Conway, uncredited. Starring Janet Gaynor, Frederick March. Adolf Menjou. Is that how you pronounce that? Menjou. Here it is, Menjou. May Robson, Andy Devine, Lionel Stander, Owen Moore, Peggy Wood. That's about it. Synopsis A young woman comes to Hollywood with dreams of stardom and achieves them only with the help of an alcoholic leading man whose best days are behind him. What did you think? Well, I've seen this one before. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like you said, this is the only one with the storyline revolving around acting, right? The other three are all in the music business, correct? Well, the the Judy Garland one is still acting, but she does musicals. So she's a singer who also acts, and okay. it's kind of a combination she does musicals and then they they basically record the the songs from her musicals and then she goes on tour with that too so it's kind of a a combination but this one's the only one that's exclusively movie acting yeah um i was surprised at how similar it was to like the newest one that i saw the bradley cooper lady gaga one a lot of the same 
beats. There, yeah, um, there's a lot of uh, themes that are definitely present in all four of them, but there's uh, kind of the things that kind of go around it are are different. Yeah, but even I'm not even just talking about themes and talk about like specific lines or things that happen. But we'll get into that when we discuss spoilers after you know we kind of wrap up the show. But um, yeah, the performances are great. Found this to be one of those movies that's very charming. Kind of like movies from that era are or can be ones that are very well made. Just kind of like, you know, how can you not like this movie? That type of thing. Definitely. Uh, yeah, very well made. Performances are terrific. Uh, like I said, I don't really need to go over the story all that much because <laughs> we've talked about it plenty of times. But, yeah, the two leads I thought had good chemistry and whatnot. Uh, the only part I didn't love was, so this movie's an hour and 51 minutes. And I thought it could have been about 25 minutes longer. I think that's about how long the newest one is. It's probably about two hours and 15 minutes or so, maybe. Yeah, all the other three are... I think two and a half for longer. Because there isn't much romance like in the beginning. It's like they meet, he helps her. And before we know it, he's just like, so what do you say you marry me? And like, I don't think they've even kissed yet. Like there's a part where they're at the premiere or it's a, it's a preview showing of the film that isn't quite finished yet, but. I guess her crosses cross her fingers and I think he kisses her hand. And then it's like like you have there's no concept of time really, like how much time has passed. I mean you kinda you can guess somewhat with okay, she just did her first movie, okay, now she's done like six movies, that type of thing. But it's like before you know it, he's like, All right, let's well let's get married. She said, like, Well, you know, I can't marry you, you're a drunk, and oh, what if I change? And it was just all like, do you guys even like have like legit dates yet? Or like, it didn't seem like there was a lot of romance. Like I thought later in the film, you know, their chemistry, you know, it showed on the screen after they've already been married for a while. But it was like I was missing the romance, the setup. I think that's a little bit of a product of its time. Um, Yeah. They definitely leave a lot to be assumed between the time they meet and the time they get married. Um, And basically you kind of assume like once they start kind of hanging out and he starts helping her out that, you know, they're doing, they're in at least one movie together. And so you're kind of led to assume that they've built a relationship through that process, but they, like you said, they don't really show it. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, I I would agree with, your point that it's a product of its time movies were a lot tighter back then usually i mean gone with the wind uh kind of an outlier i mean there were a lot of epic movies but it seems like things were just a little bit tighter uh shorter back then and this is a david o selznick picture so this is a smooth oiled machine that is running fast right but even like you mentioned gone with the wind even with that one like there's a lot of shit that goes on with her, uh, with that movie. 
So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of the same deal where it's it's very long, but it's still tight. And you know, I, I mentioned that when we were talking about that earlier, is it it never really drags. Uh, there's always something going on. Yeah. And there's something to be said that, you know, that way of filmmaking is superior to today. You know, people debate that back and forth about a lot of different things. But uh, when things are tighter, you know, especially, you know, that's kind of the way of thinking of the old way of filmmaking of tighter is better. You know, you don't want any fluff. You don't you want you want to record the script. You know, your your cinematography is kind of your vision. But you're directing, you're, you know, you're doing the script. You're not adding in a bunch of stuff or unwanted scenes or, I mean, I should say unnecessary scenes, you know, they don't drive the plot forward or even with the character development, you know. That's the that's the Harvey Weinstein way. <laughs> it's got to be tight. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't say that and preface it with Weinstein. Double entendre. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein, the, the rumor was anytime he was producing a movie, whatever uh, version you submitted as the, quote, final version, he would cut at least 15 minutes off of it. Unless the name was Tarantino, although a lot of his movies are shorter back then, except for, you know, well, Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown are both long, but Reservoir Dogs short, Kill Bill 1 and 2 are both right around two hours, Death Proof is under two hours. And then he started just doing two and a half to three hour movies since then. Right. How did you like the neighbor, Danny McGuire? Is uh, Andy Devine played him? Oh yeah, he was. Uh, I don't know. He was a pleasant fellow. <laughs> I like him, and I like uh, her grandma. Are besides the two main characters, those are my favorite uh, supporting characters. Yeah, I, I like Niles too. The you know, the thoughtful film executive. Then there's the uh, the PR man. I forget what his yeah. name was. Yeah, he was uh, Buffy or something, or what was it? He had that unique voice, very uh, yeah, very like gravelly voice that he did. But... Libby, Matt yeah, Libby, Libby was Libby. the character. Yeah. All right. Well, I will give this a Soonish. Soonish. WTM Soonish. Did you give it an ASAP? I gave it an ASAP. I really, mm. really liked it the first time I saw it. Yeah. Watched it again. You know, I, I, I'm not mad that I gave it an ASAP. I think it, it holds up. You know, it's one of those early Hollywood movies that I think a lot of people have stolen from. And uh, I think it deserves the attention. All right. Well. Yes. A challenge. So I'm going to assign you Dogtooth by Yorgos Lanthimos. So you kind of like the lobster, and you're not a fan of the favorite. Uh, this is true. And, yeah, you haven't seen The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which is bizarre. Like, more, more bizarre than the lobster. And Dogtooth is very uh, bizarre as well. Although I think you should get a kick out of this one. I love this movie. Um, I find it hilarious. And it's very dark comedy. 
and it's about a family, uh, a Greek family, I, I would guess. Uh, that's, so this is in subtitles. It's all in Greek, I think. That's the old. That's the old saying. It's all Greek to me. (laughs) (laughs) And let's just say it's a family. uh, So three siblings, and they have very overprotective parents. And that's all I'll say. I think the the less you know about this movie, the better. Well, I pulled it up on my uh, my cable, and uh, the background picture for it is a guy who's balding with his hair a mess he's wearing a white shirt and a tie flung over his shoulder and his face is covered in blood it's a guy balding guy i'll send you a picture okay but uh yeah don't watch a trailer for this there's some disturbing stuff in here but also some hilarious stuff and i think it combines nicely (laughs) We'll see. I like, you know, I got, you know, a different sense of humor I've come to find than a lot of people. And uh, so, like, dark humor, like, it sounds like it's good. Like, it would be right up my alley. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it just doesn't hit. So we'll see how this one goes. It's kind of a, a crapshoot. When, when I hear dark humor, whether I'm going to like it or not. All right. Well, now we're going to kind of wrap up the show a little bit. And then uh, if you want to stick around for spoilers for Star is Born. So you can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie or Brett at positivelywolf1. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. And please subscribe, rate, and review. We're available on most podcast apps, pretty much every one of them. Yeah. We didn't mention it last time, but we still have merchandise. We do. It's at teespring.com slash stores slash WTM watch this movie. And you can still use a promo code canceled to save 10%. <laughs> Perfect. Head on over there. Help uh, help Eric recoup some of his new laptop costs. <laughs> or Brett's new uh, microphone costs. <laughs> Much appreciated. Yeah, you might not get the full effect if you were doing this over Skype, but Brett bought a pretty nice microphone. It did. Mr. Positivity Wolfie T here to tell you about the Positively Wolfie podcast, where we provide unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. Join me and a co-host as we provide a non-serious take on silly, strange, or just plain dumb news headlines and stories. Look for me on Twitter at PositivelyWolf1 and find the Positively Wolfy podcast on your favorite podcast app. And subscribe today. All right. Let's get into the spoilers for A Star is Born for a 83-year-old movie. Or Wait, 73-year-old movie. No, wait. <laughs> it is 93. 83. Wait. <laughs> it's 83, isn't it? Yeah, 37? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I thought some of the scenes were so similar to the Cooper and Gaga one, especially with the I just want to see you one more time. Just want to get another look at you, you know? Doing the, They do it twice in, in the 37 and twice in the new one, and it's Basically, the first time they meet and right before he kills himself, both times. And then uh, 
the 37 version. You have him getting drunk and making an ass out of himself at the Oscars where when she's getting an award versus the new one where he gets all drunk and on drugs uh, at the Grammys when she's getting an award. He pisses himself in the new one. He doesn't piss himself in the old one, but <laughs> he still embarrasses her. The 2018 one is the only one where he, where he pisses himself, <laughs> which I thought was a little much. But they they do that in every movie. They do the the award show scene in every movie. Um, I can't. They must do the uh, let me look at you one more time in every one. I don't. For some reason, I don't recall if they did it in the other two, but I think they did. I think they did it in the '76 one for sure. Um, the suicide is trying to think. It's definitely different in the 76 one. I think the, I'm trying to think the 54 one might be all, almost the same as the 37, but I, I can't remember right now. But in all but the 2018 one, the suicide is played off as an accident where it, he does it in a way where it won't, where he feels like it, doesn't come off as her fault for him killing himself. Whereas in the 2018 one, which I didn't like it as much because he just straight up kills himself and then she's left to, to feel like it's her fault. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. I mean, both suicides, the 37 and 2018 are preceded by, so in the 37, it's that publicist dude who's calling him a piece of shit. It gets to do a fight with him at the bar. Mm-hmm. And in the 2018 one, it's, he's not publicist. Like it's like her manager, but he also, I mean, he spends half the movie talking about her image and how people see her. And he's always worried about Bradley Cooper and how he looks. And he basically tells him off and that her career is going to be over if she stays with him, basically. Cause he's always going to, you know, go back to the booze according to him. So, I mean, both of them are preceded. Both of them are always an outside influence that causes the suicide. Right. So the reason for the suicide is pretty much the same, but mm-hmm. like how he pulls it off, you know, going for a swim in the, in the ocean with, he's intent on killing himself, but the way he does it, there's still some doubt there as far as whether he did it intentionally or not. Mm-hmm. Well, I think she. I think she knows they didn't intentionally. Right, but she quits acting. Right, but he he took that he he took that thought in mind as he was doing it. Yeah. Whereas in 2018, he just takes his belt off and hangs himself in the garage, mm-hmm. so you know her friend or family or whatever can find him. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely, definitely say it. it. I mean, could be harder. Or obviously, you can't play that off other than a suicide versus swimming. Oh, it's an accident, accidental drowning. Yeah, but, he he definitely did it in mind with how does this reflect on her? Like, if I kill myself, you know, is it gonna hurt her career more if it's a suicide or if it's an accident? I think a suicide or an accident would only help her career 
in, in the new one at least. And the old one, it took it out of her where she couldn't, you know, she quit acting. Well, until Grandma shows up. <laughs> That's right, yeah. I The thing I liked about the 37 one that uh, puts it above all the rest for me is the grandma character and her advice at the beginning of the movie. Um, you know, go chase your dreams, but you're going to have to trade your heart to achieve, you know, your dreams. You know, your whatever dream you accomplish, it's going to cause you heartbreak in some way. Yeah. And uh, that's a theme throughout the movie. And then they reiterate it at the end when she's, you know, going to move back to North Dakota or wherever she was from. And uh, Grandma said, well, I told you this was going to happen. You can't quit now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a great character. Definitely pretty inspirational. I wouldn't be surprised if they put a warning before this movie on HBO Max because Grandma tells a story about how she and her husband took part in the manifest destiny of going across the plains and settling them. And then uh, the husband got killed by a Native American, which she uses a derogatory term for. But uh, she used that as an example of you have to persevere and, you know, put your whole heart into it. You can't let people crush your dreams and, you know, make it so you don't even go ahead and attempt to achieve them. Mm-hmm. What else do you want to talk about? I don't know. Like the uh, we we brought up the uh, the Danny McGuire character. He happens to be the neighbor at the hotel where um, Esther, the character Esther, is staying when she first moves to Hollywood. Eleven dollars. <laughs> you should be buying me a drink. <laughs> and that that actor has done a few different Twilight Zone episodes which is where I know him from. Okay. Um, but he's great. I love him. He's he's a fantastic character actor. He's hilarious in A Star is Born. Um, I guess the comparison to the 2018 is the, uh, I forget what the character's name was in the 2018 version, but the, uh, the guy that she works with at the restaurant who yeah. basically quits with her when uh, Josh Brolin, or uh, not when Bradley Cooper's character invites her out to the concert after seeing her sing. Dave Chappelle is kind of a new character. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there was a comparable character to Dave Chappelle in any of them, to be honest. That that might have actually been like 100% uh, created for that version. Yeah. How'd you like Chappelle in there? In the new one. Uh, I guess, you know, it's, I'm trying to think, cause I don't, he wasn't that funny, you know, he was more of a yeah. serious character. So yeah. you're so used to him just like cracking jokes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, kind yeah, of, I a, thought he was like slightly funny, but yeah, you're right. He was more of a serious character and I thought he did pretty well at a more, probably the most dramatic role he's ever played. I mean, he doesn't do a lot of movies anymore. Um, not that he did, not that he did a ton before he kind of, uh, you know, walked out on Hollywood, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about it. It's, uh, I would say that he did pretty good, you know? 
but overall, you uh, you didn't think there was enough romance at the beginning. Yeah, that that's what I'd say would makes it. Uh, or why I don't like it as much as the newer one, I guess. So, so you like the newer one better, but they're both. Did you do ASAP for the new one or Soonish? I can't remember. I think I just did Soonish. Because it wasn't my it wasn't my favorite of the year, and that was at a time when you know I didn't really give out an ASAP outside of the favorite of the year until I think this year. Right, and I think it it definitely sways your opinion when you watch them in that order. Like whichever one you see first is like your basis, and then you're comparing everything yeah. else to it. Mm-hmm. And I watched the 37 one first, and the 2018 one fourth so like comparing it to all the ones that came before it uh you know i i have in mind the things that those other versions had or didn't have versus what the 2018 version had mm-hmm. and uh i don't know the thing i like i mentioned the thing i liked about the 37 one is the moral that the grandma imparts it's very uh, clear what the messaging is, which mm-hmm. they don't include in any other version. And then, um, you know, the the way that they handled the suicide at the end, I preferred the 37 version. Um, but just overall, the you know the character work and the the acting and the writing just uh, blew me away the first time that I saw it. So. I'll tell you one thing that uh, the 37 version has over the 18 version is uh, they actually say the title of the movie in the 37 version <laughs> as he says it to her. The star is born. <laughs> <laughs> Cooper never says that to Gaga. <laughs> this, this is true. <laughs> this is very true. That was also interesting that uh, so in the 37 version, the Lead's name is Norman Maine. In the 18 version, it's Jackson Maine. They might spell Maine different, but it's Maine is the last name. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what all the, the character names, because I think they might have kept them the same for 54, and then 76, they might have changed them. Esther Blodgett. That was funny in the when they're talking about her uh, signing her in the executive's office. Like. We got a problem. Her name is uh, Esther Blodgett. Oh, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's your name? <laughs> you Sorry, get rid Est- of that. Esther Victoria Blodgett. Esther Lester. Est- Lester. Hey, Vic, Esther oh, Vicky. Blodgett. <laughs> Vicky Lester. Which I didn't think it was all that much better. Like, Vicky's fine, but Vicky Lester. What? Yeah, so in 54, they, they were the same name. Esther Blodgett and Norman Maine. And then... 76 they were esther hoffman and john norman howard i don't think she changes it in the 76 version did she change it in the 2018 i forgot no she was just Allie. she just shortened it yeah i don't remember but i did like uh libby esther blodgett But I don't know. It's uh, I, like I said, I'd recommend watching all of them. 
Uh, you know, I put 37 at the top. Well, we might have to have you watch 76 to compare that to the 2018 one because those are really similar. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Um, so, but they also like the the 76 one. You know, goes full on into the music uh, area versus Hollywood, but it also it maintains a lot of similarities to the 37 version that the 2018 one kind of tinkered with. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Maybe next time I'll challenge you to watch that one. All right. Well, you enjoy Dogtooth. And uh, yeah, I think that does it. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.